I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. NBC Sports, Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chase Down Block here on the Chase Thomas Podcast with my good friend, Swish Theory, Round Ball Ramble, Corbin Ford. Corbin, good evening, sir. How are you? I am doing okay, my friend. How are you doing? Not too bad. It's amazing that we're only a week away from the NBA season being back. We have actual games to talk about. Um, Zion Williamson looks healthy and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff. I'm watching way too much preseason. I'm buying all the way back in on the Hawks and how they have looked uh, this preseason. Um, Trey it. talking about the team getting back together earlier than ever uh, since he's been a Hawk. Like all the vibes are great all across the board, uh, unless you're the Oklahoma City Thunder making uh, trades that you should not be making. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, mm-hmm. it, it's it's weird that we're a week away, but we are a week away. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. And I'm actually doing the opposite. I'm not watching the preseason. I'm just ready for the regular season. I can't get hyped up anymore. Mm. My Lakers look good. Like, bring on the all the marbles. Like, let's get into it. For the next six months, I want to just be gone. 
like for the next six months, I want to be transported to another lane. And that's just the obsession of NBA basketball. So let's get it. I like it. How many uh, games do you watch a night during the season? How do you break it up? Do you watch multiple games at once? Do you do one at a time? Do you pick some to you? How, how do you break it up? So I will watch if it's I watch the marquee games, obviously. I mean, the ones that are on ESPN, whatever, they get like priority, right? Unless mm. I have a league pass team that I'm really interested in. So I don't know. In this case, let's say just throwing like the Timberwolves out there. I'm interested in seeing what mm. they do. Or I'm very much interested in what Charlotte does. Obviously, my Lakers are first like that. So I'm going to watch priority. I'm going to focus on the big games, right? Mm. After that, or at the same time, commercials. I mean, so many games happening. I'm looking at games that have either intriguing matchups, have players I'm trying to follow, um, a podcast I'm probably doing a team on, and interesting games. Like if it's a tight game, fine. If it's a blowout, you get last. I'll look mm. at you, see who's doing well, who's doing not, like who's not doing well. I'll circle back around to watch that at a later time. Maybe I'll fall asleep to a game. Like that's how obsessive we get during the season. Mm-hmm. Fall asleep to basketball. Like I'll put that aside because right what we're focusing on is like, okay, I want to see the best matchups. I want to see teams that I have notes on, players that I have notes on. So in order, I would say my team, Lakers, boom. Mm-hmm. In um intriguing matchups, league pass teams, close games. That's the second tier, boom. And the third tier was blocks. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't care if you are the bottom, if you're the worst teams in the, in the, in the East and West playing each other, if it's a close game, I will watch it. Now if it's a close, bad game, eh, maybe I'll watch it with one eye, look in there, one eye on the computer on, on Twitter or something. Mm. But the last thing for me is blocks, um, because we already know where it's going to go. So I know I have to focus on the competitive portion of the game. I look at different highlights for different players. What takeaways can I take from this game for, you know, this team, these players, whatever the case may be, but I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into that matchup because like. One team had a lot and one team had a little. That's the bottom line. And there's stories in between that, but we'll parse that out on a second watch. Okay. I like it. Um, I usually pick like a, a team a week outside of the Hawks. I watch every Hawks game and then I pick um, uh, Carlin Gay of uh, Sporting News is the one who put me on this a couple of years ago. Um, who He watches one team a week just to get a feel for that team because um, it's hard to keep up with everybody uh, throughout the week in League Pass. And you just pick one um to watch i guess two or three games that week and then you have a pretty good feel for where that team is and you'll circle back in a couple of months about how where they're at and sometimes they'll be on the other team each week but uh i love that system uh for league pass uh for me is because that just gives it you feel like you really do have a good idea for uh for that one team uh at that point in time along with your own team i would agree i would agree i think i'm gonna steal that actually let's see what it's we, good and it's, it good. makes fun, fun to help for this show yeah it'll make fun yeah. focus cap snapshot you know, if you see us on the on the Round Ball Ramble podcast, just just go it. I, I got it from you. There we go. I would say I didn't get it from you, but no, on record, I got it. From well, you. I didn't even get it from me. I got it from Carlin. So shout out to Carlin. Well, um, there, well, there you go, Corbin. Um, first thing that I want to get to. Uh, well, actually, before uh, we get into our NBA conversation, don't forget, folks. Uh, each and every Tuesday, uh, Corbin Ford and myself talk all things NBA here on the Chase Down Block NBA Show. Uh, on this very feed so look out for that every wednesday on your uh, preferred podcast player and you can also watch us and if you're watching us on youtube first thank you uh, for checking out the program Uh, make sure you like and subscribe uh, all the different content that we've got coming up uh, each and every day it's daily uh, national sports show outside of here in knoxville tennessee so not just for the tennessee folks but uh, we cover all sports as a whole so uh, look out for uh, chase down block the nba programming here on this very feed each and every Wednesday, taping it on Tuesday nights. You can uh, get in touch with us. Uh, if you want to email the show, you can do so at Chase Thomas uh, podcast at gmail.com uh, with any NBA questions you might have for Corbin or myself. 
You can also tweet at us at pod chase Thomas. Um, check us out on TikTok, YouTube, all that chase Thomas podcast. You can find us each and everywhere. And then also, you know, the homepage, the website, all kinds of great content, and more information about the show over at chase Thomas podcast.com. Uh, Corbin good off season or did they get worse? The series continues with uh, this week coming up. The Utah Jazz, I think, was really interesting to me. So I want to pick your brain on the Utah Jazz. Uh, rumored today, like, Taylor Horton Th- uh, Tucker maybe going to the Houston Rockets. Maybe that's dead. Um, uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, when you look at what the Utah Jazz did this offseason, because I think they surprised a lot of folks. Last year, their uniforms the worst in, in the NBA. Cannot stand these <laughs> highlighter uniforms that they got cooking for the next couple of years in Utah. But um, uniforms aside, Corbin, when you look at what Utah did and where they're at going into this year, did they get better this offseason? It's interesting that you asked. I mean, first, I want to go back. on. I mean, let me ask you this about the Utah Jazz uniforms. What's the last good uniform that you like from the Jazz? Because Oh, it's, I, the, Car- I would, it's the Stockton Malone. Like, those are the best. I don't know if I like those. Why? I don't know. The the mountaintop ones, it just feel weird to me. Like, my favorite one's probably, like, the Darren Williams ones. Those aren't bad. Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer, um, those. Uh, the Carlos I'm okay with Boozer, that. Yeah, those, those probably appeal to me a little more. Just the straight jazz with the white and the blue. Mm-hmm. I mean, plus, they were a deadly guard forward combo. But anyway. That that is why I like. I mean, the mountain ones are fine. They just feel like they they have. They, I mean, they're cool. They're cool. Let me say this. I just didn't personally like them aesthetically. They remind me of like they feel married to that time. Like they feel married mm. to the nineties. Like those well, I think that's rockets. Okay. Well, I have a take on this, Corbin. Yes, let's get it. I feel like if you're like if you're really good during a certain time, and your franchise is relatively new, or like just lean into that identity like the chicago bulls should never change their logo like it's the like the 90s and late days like it always works never switch it up like you identify with michael jordan people will always identify with that look and that chicago bears or chicago bulls look like it's not broken like the utah jazz are a bigger brand and more recognizable with the mountaintop with that purple with that blue like that is the most notable like you just think greatness like the spurs like they're not doing it they they're like you have the black and white and the the silver and it just it works like you never go away from that because you identify uh winning over the course of 30 years uh with that look and i just think you should associate when you do stumble into a decade of greatness with a certain uh uniform set i just i would never run away from it i would just keep that identity well i mean that goes back to the whole city uniforms that they keep trying out every year they need to stop they need to do like the NFL or something and just hold on to uniform for five years, three to five years, and then come with something fresh because this is getting derivative and kind of stupid. So I can agree with you to start yeah. on that. Kuzma's even upset. Did you see his tweet about it? I did not. Yeah, Kuzma's a, like he's just like when you change the the uniform so much, there's no brand identity for any of these teams anymore. That's true. I mean, every year it's a different one. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, it makes it fun for 2K. You have all these different options to choose from. Yeah. Anyways, he said, uh, by the way, uh, he said, Nike is ruining the nostalgia of jerseys. Every year it's a new jersey and what gets lost is brand identity. He isn't wrong. No. And if Kyle Kuzma fashion maven himself says that, <laughs> might want to rethink your uh, your brand in there, Nike. Just saying. There you go. And also the Wizards went away from their best uniforms. The ones they wore, that cherry blossom one, they're not wearing those this year. Wow. Interesting. They finally had a good one. And they were like, no. 
those were interesting. I didn't like the whole. No, they were nice. They definitely yeah. had an appeal. And to go away from that, hope they know what they're doing. Mm. They but probably don't. They're the Wizards. Yeah. But know, anyway, back to the Jazz. Back to the, jazz. Back to the jazz. I like the Jazz. I think that they did get a little bit better incrementally. Incre- incrementally. Yeah, something like that. That's mm-hmm. the word. Whatever. Um, Mostly with the draft picks. Keontae George, drafted number 16, I thought was a steal. I had him much higher. He was in my top 10 in my personal draft board. Um, Taylor Hendricks, who was personally drafted top 10, number 9, I think is a solid player as well. Bryce Sensabaugh, again, another guy that was also in my top 10, top 15, drafted 28th, rather. Just mm-hmm. a steal. I like that. Um, re-signing Jordan Clarkson made sense. Um, he's been a steady guard for them over this time. And then, of course, making the trade for Josh Collins, which, listen, Collins shooting has definitely dropped all the way off the face of the earth, you know, in Atlanta, but also he was in a marginalized role. I continue to say he didn't have a good fit there because he was the second guy, then he was kind of the third guy, then he was actually kind of the fourth guy, depending on how you look at, you know, Trey Young and Jonte Murray and, you know, any of the other guys that that made up that that Hawks team. I mean, other guys stepped out, out the Andre Hunter, like other guys stepped out of the woodwork and like took over that third spot that, Collins didn't even really have lockdown. So I think he's in a spot now where he can flourish. Um, his athleticism is still a thing. If he can regain his shooting touch, that is solid. Um, playing alongside a guy like a, excuse me, a Laurie Markin, it's interesting. Um, just wanted to see how the fit works. Is Collins coming off the bench? Are they going to start Collins at the five and Markin before? Are they going to flip the two? I am very curious to see how that works itself out. But I think when you look at those guys that get added between the draft and obviously the trade for Collins, did they get like, we're competing for a playing spot better? Probably not, but then again, I mean, they were a competitive bunch last year without that, right? They did fall hard down the, the end of the year, but this Jazz team, I mean, they were a weird, funky team that is hard to make sense of, and I don't mean that in a bad way. You, They just have a lot of interesting pieces. Like, they could go win 38 to 40 games, and I wouldn't be shocked, and they can go, like, 25 and 57, and I wouldn't be shocked. So it's there's one of those teams with a variance of that is so high as to where they can land. And I am very curious about that. But I have to say, objectively, I feel they did get better because you keep some of the guys that you had last year that were already made you a pretty sneaky, strong team. And then you just add talent there. Uh, who you lost, I mean, they weren't really impact players. Uh, Udoka Azubuki, Rudy Gay, Damian Jones, Juan Scott Anderson. I'm sorry. They, they, they weren't really in the rotation, any of them. So, yeah, I think it's definitely something that I'm curious to see, um, like how they play. They're on my, one of my league pass teams to keep an eye on. But for sure, I think that they got better. Who do you think is their best five? That is an excellent question. And one I've been struggling with because I don't know who you put at point guard for this team. Um, I mean, you you don't start Keontae George right out of the gate. I I don't know. Maybe you do. I I mean, like, Keontae George is one of the better passers of the lot. Let's say if I'm doing this, I am going to start... Collins at the five, Larry Market at the four. Um, You're not starting Lev- Kessler. Oh, flip. Forgot about Walker Kessler. Jeez. Kessler <laughs> at the five. Markin at the four. Collins mm. coming off the bench. Okay. Um, Sexton and Clarkson in the backcourt. And then who's your three? That's a good. This is what I'm saying. Like it's a weird Jazz preseason game, so I don't even know. They're three and one right now. Hendricks. Yeah. Wow. There you go. It could be Taylor Hendricks. It could be Ochai Baji. Um, Bryce Sensabaugh could get a look there. Um. Well, right now they got Tht, Jordan Mm -hmm. Clarkson, Mm -hmm. Laurie Markkinen, 
John Collins and Walker Kessler. I don't think that works in the regular season. I, I don't, don't care how good of a coach means, Will Hardy is. That means Markinen or Collins is playing the well, no, that means Markin is be playing the be at the three, yeah. Which mind you, Markin has done before, like in somewhat in Cleveland, most yeah. notably. But I don't know if I like that. I mean, it worked actually. It was one of those weird kind of fake it till you make it type things that kept faking it. Yeah. Um, but like come on, it's gonna be I mean, maybe size wise he might hold up against some of like a like the bigger wings who are more on power, but like I still think LeBron is faster even at 38. Yeah. Um Kawhi can still move there. I wouldn't want him on an island on Paul George, even at his early third. Like, I don't know if I like that. I, but I, I guess, like, I mean, you're in a weird spot because who's your three? Like, yeah, your one is is curious because again, you have Colin Sexton, you have um Ted Horn Tucker, you have Jordan Clarkson, you have um Keontae George. Like all those guys are capable of playing the one or the two. I don't like either of them for the three. Mm. Yeah, that's a weird one. But no, you're right. Walker ha- Walker was an impact maker. I feel bad. I forgot about him altogether. Walker has to be at the five. I would put Mark into the four. I would start. You know what? What the heck? Colin Sexton. At- Colin Sexton, Keontae George in the backcourt. Clarkson at the three. Undersized. Okay. Kind of weird, but it could work. I-, I just don't want Clarkson ever starting. Like I just feel like he should always be on the bench. Like Clarkson should I, always I mean, be the first guy guard off the bench. Yeah, right? and he's comfortable in that role. I just yeah. again, I, I don't know. Like I'm, it's gonna be curious to see how the Jazz play because that three spot is important. And like I, I know for a fact. I think we all know for a fact. Markinen's ideal role is is at the four. I think they just have to kind of when you look at this roster to me. I think you just have to take the lumps with Keontae George starting. Mm. I think you just have to let him work through it. I think you have to just kind of throw him to the wolves and let him work around a bunch of uh, bigs and vets and see how it works. I mean, Colin Sexton missed a lot of time last year. I don't like Colin Sexton THT backcourt. Like the shooting is just going to be so bad. Like there's not a lot of options. Like Taylor Hendricks, I think would be a good player, but you look at it. Uh, Fonta Chio, uh, who I think was the Italian who was shooting really well for them last year. I mean, that he'll help a little bit, but like, Agbaji is not a good shooter. Sexton's not a good shooter. THT's mm-hmm. not a good shooter. Chris Dunn's not a good shooter. I mean, you just go down. John Collins is, I mean, very streaky. Um, we'll see how his finger is uh, this year in Utah. Walker Kessler's not spacing the floor. I don't know. I just, I don't, I think they're going to be really good defensively, but I don't, I think they're going to be worse. My gut tells me Utah's actually going to be sneaky pretty bad in the West. The West is just too loaded. And like this they roster are. looks like a roster that just, I don't know. I, I, my gut tells me they got worse. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. It. it I mean, I, well, I don't wait. Actually, my fault. I agree with your first point about the West being good and the Jazz being a sneaky bad team. My bad. I don't agree that they got worse. I just don't see it per se. I think mm. the West got better around them. Like that's what I think. Like they're they're very they're a solid team, in my opinion. But I think the West got better around them, and I think that's the issue. Yeah. Um, next up, Corbin, true or false? I just completely forgot that Max Drews is a Cleveland Cavalier, and it's going to take me like the first 10 games of the season to remember that he's a Cleveland Cavalier. But my question to you, Tom Ziller has a great newsletter, um, called good morning. It's basketball on Substack. Go subscribe. If you have not already OG, uh, NBA writer, love reading his stuff. And he was doing like uh different, like non-stars who are going to impact teams, uh, this week. And, he talked about Max Struess in a little little bit, and I just completely, like, it was one of those things where I could just go back through it. I'm like, oh, yeah, Max Struess. And he kind of had a rough end to last season with Miami. Um, didn't shoot the ball well uh, down the stretch for them. But 
I think it was a sneaky huge addition for Cleveland. I, I Do you agree? Do you think he sticks? Because Cleveland has been looking for that. Monty Bates has popped a little bit this offseason. Obviously, you got Isaac Okora, who you used a lottery pick on uh, a couple of years ago, and he's been that kind of guy, but he just it's just not working. He's in their Andre Roberson role right now, and it's just not a place you want to be. And it's just probably the offense probably isn't coming for Okoro, unfortunately. But I don't know. Like, I think Sneaky, he's really important in terms of what they can be this year. And I think if Max Drews has announced a nice bounce back year and proves that it was not all Miami system, I really do like Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Max Drews, Donovan Mitchell, and Darius Garland. Do you do you agree? Do you think true like uh true or false? Do you think he actually sticks and it works out? I do. I think defensively, you know, if he can at least defend his position semi-capably, it'll be more than enough because his gravity that he brings to the shooter. Will be mm-hmm. fine. Like he had a down season. I mean, honestly, to the 21-22 season was like the highlight of his shooting. He shot 41% from three. Last season shot 35%. Two seasons ago, he shot 33%. But for mm-hmm. his career, he's a 37% three-point shooter and a volume three-point shooter at that. So you know he's going to take the shots. You know you can't leave him open. And that when you have a backcourt that you do with a Darius Garland and a Donovan Mitchell that you know will get into the lane and penetrate and make plays. You have those two lob threats, you know, between Mobley and Allen. And then you have a guy you can't really play off of in Struess or one who will make you pay. Yeah, that's that's important. That's something the cat the Cavs haven't had. I mean, he shot 35% last season on seven threes a game, mm. uh, 41% the season before on six threes a game. He's getting them up at a fairly decent clip. He's gonna have more now. And this was off of a mostly bench roll. Started 33 games last season. It's a career high for him. Started 16 games the season before that. He's going, he's a starter now. So, like, I think you have that. You have someone that you can't really cheat off of too much that defenders will respect. That's all that the Cavs are looking for at the three position. I mean, defensively, you can hold your position. That'd be great. But, you know, Karis LeVert, if he was a better shooter, probably would have been okay. You know what I mean? Like, before that, you had guys that weren't really fitting that. You know, I mean, say, it is, I don't want to speak bad about the Cavs search for a three, but I mean, we kind of know that it's been an issue, right? Yeah. Like uh, you've had, I mean, what, outside of, I'm trying to think of, um, and he's been, Oh my goodness! Why am I drawing a blank right now? Karis Levert. Um, no, Isaac Coro. There you go. Well, like, Isaac Coro, no, yeah, Isaac Coro, Karis yeah. Levert, you had Chetty Osman, George Niang now, George <laughs> Niang now. But before that, you had Danny Green for like eight games. Yeah. Like, they haven't had a good solid three. A guy who mm. you can't really you have to respect in the offensive end as a shooter because Karis Levert's a good offensive player, just if he's a shooter, and the defensively can just kind of stay in that position. Everything yeah, I've had one or the other. They never had the complete exactly, version. That, yeah. Exactly. I'm not saying Struis will be either because defensively, yeah. Uh, but but is he the best concept, chance? I feel like he's I the best chance. There you go. I think he is. Exactly. Who's his closest comp? Who does he remind you of? That's a good question. Max Struis. I'm trying to think. I mean, he, honestly, I don't want to say he reminds me of a George Niang, but mm. like you're kind of stocky, big kind of shooter type i'm trying to think that's a very good one um i sneaky love this class this Cavs rotation they've they've got cooking so let me get their top 10 for you darius mm-hmm. garland donovan mitchell max Struess, evan mobley jared allen karis lavert isaac okora george niang um dean wade will get in there um george niang maybe ty drum a little bit but i mean i look at that damian jones that's that's a really good 10 11 man rotation like I really yeah. like that. No, they're gonna have an opportunity to go small a lot with George Niang at the four. I don't know. I I think 
I'm really I'll, optimistic about them as a top three seed in the East right now. No, I, that's interesting. I mean, top three. I don't know. I well, actually, I mean, no, I think Miami's still good. But well, I think they're better than Miami first. this year. What do you like more oh. about Miami than uh, Cleveland right now? Well, I think Miami has continuity. I mm. think that if you look at who they brought in, mind you, they didn't make any huge moves, but like Josh Richardson, I think is a solid contribution or a contributing piece. I mm. think having um, a Thomas Bryant, a solid piece, Kevin Love is back, healthier, slimmer. You have Tyler Hero, which you didn't have in the postseason last season. I think he's up for, for a step up. Jimmy Butler is going to be solid as usual. Bam is going to be there as well. You have, I love Nikola Jovic. Um, I am very high on, um, oh my goodness, Jaime Hakas. Like, mm. I think that they're a solid team. And if we're going by like star power and like consistency, like, yes, the Cavs are a, might, they have a chance to be a better regular season team for sure, especially as Miami Heat have injuries and we don't know which unknown rotation player is going to come out of their ranks here very soon, but we know it's going to happen. But mm. like, I, I just feel like they had injuries and they weren't a great team last year. And that's why they had to kind of climb back at the end. I just, I, it's not me feeling high about Miami as it is about me just not feeling as high about Cleveland. Let me see from Cleveland first, how this looks because they, they, they look good. But they're still very much a matchup oriented team. So yeah, I, I, also I definitely just, see it in play that they're better. I just don't think it's like an easy peg them. They're the number three team. What also the last memory we have of them getting just stomped by the Knicks uh, and, in a major way. Yeah. It's just a bad luck in Jared Allen being unplayable and just what that looked like. It just that was like the lasting impression. And we've just been sitting with that for months now. But I look at it. I'm like, I'm all the way back in. If you just wipe your brain of what happened to the Knicks in the four or five series in round one, you're like, mm-hmm. no, this team should win 50 plus games again. They should walk into 50 able, plus ones. I was going to say, you may be able to do that easier than others, though. Mm but no, I think you're right. I think that they definitely are going to be a bet. Let me. I think they definitely are going to be a a a. They have a chance to be a number like a number three seed, like a very high chance. I just don't think it's like a book it right there. I think they can get um, to number two. No, I don't think anyone's catching Boston Milwaukee. I'm sorry. I think. I mean, I I just want to see on injuries with Boston Milwaukee. Well, I mean, well, obviously well, injuries obviously can play a major role regardless. Like. But I mean, yeah, I you have to imply. I don't know why people just turn off injuries or some of the stuff where it's like, no, Chris Middleton and Chris Porzingis have to prove to me that they're going to be here in May. They're going to have to prove that they're going to be around uh, for the majority of this season because I think they're sneaky important. Like, I just let me see it. Let me see what it looks like. Let me see what the lack of depth in Boston looks like. Um, let me look at what Damian Lillard and Giannis actually look like. And they lost a lot of depth, too. Let's what is Adrian Griffin as a first time head coach? Sure. Well, it. this is the thing. I don't want to, like, I wouldn't, I, you can't turn off injuries, right? Like, injuries mm. are a factor. But I'm not going to, like, oh, Giannis is going down, or it's going to be Dan. Like, I don't know who it is. No, you it wasn't Giannis. Injuries... It's just Middleton for me. Oh, like, no, I want to see Middleton don't... be healthy. I mean, Middleton's a good one as well. Like, basically, I'm just saying I don't know who is. Like, Middleton had a bad year last year, kind of a bad year the year before. But, mm-hmm. like, he's been mostly solid. Like, I just don't know who I would just immediately go, okay, you know what I mean? Like, you're an injury risk. Because that's the case, then. Porzingis, too. That's a good one too. Okay, no, Robert you know Williams. Like they're thin, man. You know what? I don't. know. I'm still not taking the Cavs. Off the are just two. sitting there. That's what I'm saying. Like the Cavs are just sitting there. And if Evan Mobley makes the leap, which he absolutely can, they're deep. Donovan Mitchell has a lot of motivation. Darius Garland getting better each and every year. Like if Max Drews has a good like prove it. Like Miami made a mistake. Let me go. Like I don't know. There's a lot of Cleveland buzz for me. I'm I'm drinking the Cleveland Kool Aid right now. I can tell. I can tell. No, I I, I get you. I get you. I, I'm not of that same mind, but I get it. Also, 
uh, comparing Max Drews, I would say like a Joe Harris. Oh, okay. Joe Harris, Muscala type kind of guy. Mm. Um, I think that makes sense offensively. I mean, even like yeah. a dunk, I don't want to compare him to just white shooters, but like. <laughs> you better go Mike Miller. Mike Miller. Exactly. Um, um, Steve Novak. Okay, now we're being disrespectful. Be, All right, exactly. Let's I'm move back. forward. Uh, Corbin, before I, once we get into Steve Novak territory, we, we know we've jumped this Discount double check. He, they show, you saw him at the Knicks alumni game a couple days ago? I did not. It was pretty Chris cool Copeland seeing all there? those guys. Um, I didn't see Copeland. I did see Raymond Felton. Okay. Uh, Raymond Felton looks like a tight end now. Anthony I Randolph? Did see, didn't see Anthony Randolph. I saw Latrell Sprewell. Jared Jeffries? Okay. No, it was Latrell Sprewell. It was um, Nate Robinson. It was Steve Novak. It was... Um, Jeremy Lin? No. Listen, mm. Jeremy Lin isn't a Knicks legend. Jeremy Lin what, is Hold on, in, what? No, he's absolutely a Knicks legend. What do you mean? For like 36 games? That's a no, legend. No. What do you mean? There's books about him in his time there. No, he's absolutely a legend. He's an urban legend. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm no, just he's kidding. not an urban legend. He's just a legend. Like, he's a Knicks legend. You know he's 35? Who, Jeremy Lin? Yep. Does that make you feel old yet? That's, Anyways, that's nah, upsetting. Yeah, no, he's still playing. He plays uh, with the Taipei Kings. Taipei mm. Kings? I think I said that right? But, um, okay, I guess he's a Knicks legend. He only played there one season. Now, Andy Routens. Have some issues then. Now we move forward. (laughs) (laughs) What's Tony Douglas up to? I always liked him. Listen, Tony Douglas was was Tony Douglas had no conscience when it came to shooting. I'm with it. Yeah, Uh, I always I I I like like, love them, baby. Well, I like third guards like that. Like I've always uh, like those kind of like because Ish Smith is like the antithesis of what I want in a guard. Like I don't Mm -hmm. know what Ish Smith's ever done well. Like he's one of those guards who he just gobbles up minutes but he's not good at one particular thing he just hangs he's around a solid guard and then if but you is say, he what, what is, is he, he good at it's like ramon well, sessions what was he good I, at and i was about to say and if you say what is he solid at i struggle to tell you but mm-hmm. he's a solid guard no give me like, a guard like i want my backup to be jumper. jordan clarkson or Dylan wright who i know it like the hawks missed him significantly last year because Dylan wright man he's long rangy Forced a lot of seals, rebounded well. Like, I knew exactly what Dylan Wright was. Complete antithesis of Trey Young. But, like, no, you need, like, I don't know. I just, I never like those backup guards who don't have any discernible strong traits. Like, if you're coming off the bench, you better have something to bring to the table. You better be something different or something that you know exactly what you're good at coming into the league to stick. I, see I just don't, saying. Ish Smith, guys like that, I just never, never, uh, never cared for that kind of point guard or really any kind of player off the bench. Listen, if you're a guy who can scrap, do I want you on my team? No, but I think you deserve a place in the league. I will give you that. That's you're you're nicer than me, Corbin. No, no place for Ish Smith on my no, nothing personal. A stand up, just... high character guy who just wants to be in the league and been around for years. And Chase says, This is where I draw the line. No, because he just shoot the ball a little bit well, shoot 35% from three. Um, do something really well. Uh, that's just me. Uh, Corbin. Did you like Calvin Booth being open about Bruce Brown and Bones Highland? Because I think that was one of the sneaky, hilarious things that came out over the last week that I read the quotes and I couldn't believe that it was actually a, a genuine quote from Calvin Booth. So, did I like it? It was funny. Like, I laughed when I read it. Um, but no, I didn't like it. One of those guys still on your team. The other guy isn't. But, like, mm. that gives a bad, like, look. Like, you're talking about people both on your team and those who are not. Like, mm. no, I, I don't think that, that it gives a good look. And mind you, like, I get where he's coming from. I don't disagree with the statement. You just don't say that. You are not an ex-teammate. You are not, 
you know, a, a man of the street or a woman of the street, person of the street, you are legit the executive of the team. And to hear someone talking disparagingly, which is what it was, about a player that has left your team, what does it say about players who are looking at that team like, wow, Denver looks good, but listen, their their GM kind of a bit of a jerk. You know, who knows? Or a guy who's already playing, Michael Porter. Like, I'm a selfish, me first player? Like, did you see me in the playoffs? Like, I went down there and gang rebounded. I was a, a beast around the boards, too. I played serviceable defense. Like, I didn't just shoot the ball. Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's the type of needless stuff you just don't have to say that can actually, like, not damage a team's morale, but, like, we've seen sometimes teams unite around their team against the GM. We saw with the Bulls, mm. you know, and Jerry Krause back in the day. I'm not saying this is anywhere near that. I'm just saying, like, you did yourself no favors, and you didn't have to do that. Like, that wasn't something you had to do. I don't understand why you felt the need to have to say that. I could see if you were a retired GM, an ex-GM. I, I don't know. I just don't understand what you had to gain from that, aside from making us chuckle and talk about it over the next couple of days. I agree with not on your team anymore you're just like you it's okay like it's just like they moved on but i mean his logic sound like it's just kind of i just like the fact that we actually got a gm who's talking openly about like why he's doing what he did and i mean he's a, a championship winning gm now and his logic on i mean do you disagree with how he looked at bones island and michael porter jr and how he? I, I mean listen i didn't say i disagreed i didn't say i, disagreed. I don't think it was that disparaging like do you think michael porter jr disagrees with that assessment uh, selfish me first player, I would. I don't, but do you think he is though? I don't know. I don't know Michael Porter. Michael Porter, we know, has had some interesting thoughts about lots mm -hmm. of things over the last. Like, like he's definitely someone out there. Like, I would not even begin to guess what Michael Porter thinks because I do feel like he's somebody who's a little different. I like him. I'm just saying, like, who knows? But the bottom line yeah. is, like, if I'm, yeah, I would be like that. There's no way to. He said it. You were a selfish me first player. Yep, that's me, Michael Porter. Selfish but he was saying player. a me guy. I think he meant me guy in terms of like, I'm just like, he cares about his numbers. There's he cares no about shooting. He cares about good. scoring. But listen, there's no way that comes off as something that's good. I mean, maybe yeah. Michael Porter takes some pride now. Like, yeah, that's right. I mean, like if you're on a team and you help team win team goals and someone calls you a me player. Yeah. And like, I loved how Michael Porter played defense. I loved how he was on the boards during the postseason in the playoffs. Like, I don't look at that and go, yep. Yeah, that's true. I mean, gotta, I mean, James no. Harden's a me player. He was a me player and almost won a title. Yes. And if you call James Harden now, he'd probably ask to be traded. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, saying, though, like, I, nobody wants to hear that about themselves. I think it was more wild what he said about uh, Bruce and Peyton Watson, because he said some of these teams were trying to get Bruce, trying to make it worth it. It's like, just be careful what you wish for which is wild about, I mean, I, again, I don't necessarily disagree. Like I would probably bet against Bruce Brown outside of the, the nugget system and what Nikola Jokic and company did for him as a player. But that's also just like commonplace vet, uh, role players getting paid a lot more money to go somewhere else and just doesn't really work out. But Hey, that's just like how it works. Like you've got to go get your money and Bruce Nature got paid. The business. Yeah. He's so not be careful probably, what you Rick wish Carlisle. for. Who says that? He what? But I'm saying, but be careful what you wish for. Who says that? Yeah, that's probably uh, that's probably like that doesn't make. But he any said, sense but that. here's the other part. Peyton's bigger. He's longer. He's more athletic. He guards better. He passes better. It's like, dude, Peyton Watson hasn't done anything. If you're gonna be that open and that confident, man, Peyton, you're putting a lot of pressure on this kid because Bruce Brown was an important championship player for you a year ago and significantly. Like Peyton Watson, man, I'm if I'm Peyton Watson out of all the guys who were cited here, I, if I'm Peyton Watson, I'm the most like, dude. 
Why? Why are you putting all this out here? Why? Like, that's a lot of pressure on me. I've never played any serious rotation or playoff basketball in my life. And you're saying I'm better than Bruce Brown than all? That's a lot. It is. I think he's trying to simultaneously pump himself up, mm -hmm. like pump up Peyton, um, while also it feels like a jilted ex-lover. Like, I don't need, I don't need that person. Like, yeah, Bruce is fine, but my new one, my new player, oh my gosh, like, Peyton is so good. He's so big. He's so strong. Like, I'm not even going to miss him. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know why I went voice there. But anyway, like, bottom line, like, he's trying to console himself, it almost feels like. Like, again, mm. nothing to gain from that. Even if you're trying to pump Peyton up, you can say, hey, we're very confident in Peyton Watts' ability to step up and the impact that we yeah. think he'll make for this team. I, I think that he has the talent, yada, yada, buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. We all go home. Like, mm. I mean, I'm not a GM. I'm nowhere close to that. The blueprint's right there. He decided to go the way he did. Um, I think it's cool. I guess if you want something refreshing, we'll see how long he keeps that up because either they're going to bounce, like he won't keep it up, bottom line. But I just, again, it wasn't necessary. I could see if like a player gave a shot about you and you returned in kind or something. Okay, sure. Should you? No, but why not? He came for you, you know? Don't come for me unless I sent for you. Like, I get that. But like, that just seemed like a little extra unnecessary and I don't know what purpose to serve. Now, Peyton Watson comes out and plays like a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Okay. Maybe it lit the fire under him. I'm still going to look at it like, huh, but it worked. But if he doesn't, like, what did you accomplish outside of, of, outside of you know, giving us something to talk about and having people look at you like, why, Calvin? Like, what do you, like, you win a championship and like, you run your mouth like the coach did? I mean, I don't disagree. There you go. Um, new place, new face. One guy who changed teams that you're excited about how he fits in his new team right now, Corbin, as we continue this weekly series. Who's the next one for you? It's ironic, but Bruce Brown. Oh. I I just want to see how he fits in Indiana. Like, I didn't think it was an immediate fit. Um, I think he's a better shooter, but, like, I don't think he's, like, a great shooter. I like mm. his playmaking and passing ability, um, and I guess that'd be good as, like, a supplementary playmaker alongside um, or coming off the bench in my mind or something like that. Like, if he's starting, I, I don't know. But coming on the bench, I like that. But, like, Tyree Talburn, you kind of want the ball in his hands. Like, I kind of feel like he's somebody that's solid, that's solid there. But I, 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 I don't think he's solid. I think he's great. But, like, bottom line, like, Bruce Brown, he shot 35% from three. Now, for his career, actually, he's a 34% three-point shooter. We're talking about a guy who literally took a career high in attempts last season, and that was 3.2 per game. Like, he's not burning down the nets, folks. Like, he's a mm. solid all-around player. Last season, career high. 11 points, four rebounds, three assists. And mind you, if you look at his numbers, they have been building every season, with the exception of that 2020-2021 uh, season in Brooklyn, where his assists definitely dropped. Um, and honestly, his Brooklyn seasons in general just weren't super great. But he did good in Detroit. He found good in Denver. I just don't know if it's – I don't know. I feel like he's more of like a super six man than a starter. Um, and even then, like his impact, while helpful, I mean, I think it helped the championship team get to another level. Now we're going to see what it does for like an up and coming team. And what does that do? Does he become a member of the core and just, you know, help them raise another level? Or is it like Evan Turner going to Portland? Like, I, I don't know. I'm curious. But that's something I'm looking forward to see because I don't know what I, I he's not really my type of player. He's a solid jack of all trades, master of none type guy. But I, I mean, you can't deny the impact he's had, you know, for the Nuggets this season and at times for Brooklyn and at times for Detroit. I just want to see if there's something he can keep up as he enters the prime of his career at age 27, if this is something we're going to see like another step up for him, or is he going to kind of recede more into like a supporting role um, even less than he is currently, you know, than he was with Denver. So 
it's again, it's just different. That fit just seemed interesting. I thought his best bet was going to Denver. I think it helped him, you know, kind of shore up his own offensive weaknesses. His defense definitely was a massive boon there. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely curious about that fit, though. What do you think is the best for around him? What when you consider Rick Carlisle's game and what he likes to do? What do you think would be the best for for Bruce Brown? I mean, you want to have shooting, like you want to have some spacing around him. So if we do what? Mm. Halliburton, mm. Matherin, mm. Brown, Turner, top in the top of the four, Turner at the five, okay. or yeah, yeah, I would say top. I'm trying to think because Toppin defensively is not good, but like spacing wise, he's fine. I'm not a Toppin fan either. I just don't like his body, his body language half the time. But mm. like spacing at the four for Toppin, the lob threat there. Um, I'm trying to think of another guy to play the four for Indiana. They don't have a lot. They have a lot of guards. I don't know how That's they're what I'm to say. Play. I feel like they're more guard heavy. I mean, you have, of course, Buddy Heald, Andrew Nimhard. Yeah, I don't think you're starting Jarese Walker because that's the other guy. No, it's too soon. Of. Yeah, so maybe you start Obi Toppin. Jalen Smith is there, but I feel like he's more of like a bench guy for sure. Mm. Yeah, so I think that's it because you have some floor spacing, you have some defensive upside, you know, um, around him. I mean, well, not really with Toppin, but you have. You know, turn it to clean the mess. I think I like Matherin's defense a little bit. Halliburton's okay, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then Brown, of course. I think you want to capitalize on that. You know, he's somebody that he could still make plays within there. Uh, Todd Halliburton can play off ball a little bit alongside him for spot shooting. Obviously, you know, Matherin can. You know what um, Turn is going to do. Like, yeah, I think that's probably the best bet for him. I like it. Uh, Corbin Ford. Final thing here before we move on uh, this edition of the program. Your favorite, we did favorite NBA sophomore uh, last week. Favorite NBA junior heading into this uh, new season. Going into year three, who is your favorite year three player to keep an eye on right now? Year three, sneaky big jump year. Yeah, um, let's see what Jalen Green does. You just love the Rockets. You did Jabari Smith, and now you're going to Jalen Green. You love the Rockets. Are you putting the Rockets in the playoffs? So, no, like I'm not. I, I just I feel like they're a play in mm. a play in team potentially. But like, I love their draft picks last couple years. I, J- I Jabari Smith was number one on my board, Houston. Jalen Green, number one on my board, Houston. Like, these are guys I was already enamored with for different things they bring. I mean, the shooting guard like archetype that Jalen Green fits is my favorite kind of anyway. I love. You know what we see from um I love what we see from Jabari Smith, and I really think he's going to have a much, much bigger year. Like I, I don't know. I've just I, I yeah, I, I guess I guess I'm I do guess think, I am high on them. I mean, do you think it works, J like if you had to put on your crystal ball or look through a crystal ball we a year from now, does Jalen Green Fred Van Vliet work as a backcourt defensively? Can they play no. together in crunch time? I, I I mean, in crunch time, I think they can. It depends on how much Jalen Green improves the defense. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, Fred VanVleet's size is not going to change. He's not growing four inches at any point, yeah. especially not after 30, right? But defensively, I think he's pretty solid for his position when he gets, when he gets after it and everything. So, like, if Jalen Green can step and defend his position well, you can at least, quote-unquote, hide, you know, um, Fred VanVleet on a, on a lesser defender or a defender that he's not going to be exploited as much. Let Jalen Green take on a bigger assignment. Maybe you have, you know, Men Thompson, Tori Eason, one of those guys at the three 
obviously Jabari at the four, and then or maybe Jabari at the five, and then who knows who you have the five, whether it is an Alfred Shangun if he steps up, or you know, I'm sorry, I forgot. You don't have to worry about Tori Easton or Man Thompson at three. You got Dylan Brooks if mm. you're not ejected. So like you have that as well. I think that you want to see a big step up from Jalen Green defensively before you go out and say that. But I think it could work enough. I mean, hmm. the Raptors won a championship with, well, Van, Van Van Lee wasn't starting, but like they won a championship and they've been a competitive team for at least two years with Fred Van Vliet in the backward, you know, going into playoffs. Like, I, I don't think they're like going after him, like in a relentless type of like seeking out way. He can play defense. He's just smaller. Hmm. Um, we'll see how that remains as he ages. But I definitely think Jalen Green needs to assume a bigger defensive responsibility. And that's why I'm looking at him stepping up there. I also think that he's actually, for the first time in his career, outside maybe whatever you want to think of John Wall, playing with like a true point guard mm. over the last couple of years. And I think that will unlock his game so much more. So like, there's a reason. I like these guys. And yes, I want to back up my guys. But I think that they're in a position now where they're able to have their game flourish more. Like they're in a position where they can actually focus on their strengths and not have to do assume a high usage offensive role where their efficiency just goes tank to the bottom, you know, or have to take all these crazy shots because you're not getting better shots created for you. And there's the only thing you can make for yourself at this time with focused defensive attention. Like that's what I think um, is going to be different for both Jalen green and for Jabari Smith jr. But in this case, yeah, Jalen green, I think he has to give a step. Another guy I'll throw out Evan Mobley offensively. Let's grow a little bit more like defensively been great, but like, let's be real. You were not good defensively against the Knicks last off season, last postseason, but you also weren't good offensively either. And for someone who's flashed a three point shot, like let's get there. Let's get out of the high twenties. Like let's be a little more consistent. Your shot looks fluid. Focus on that. Be a little more assertive offensively. I think the Cavs are a very solid team with Gary's Garland, with Donovan Mitchell, you know, with all these guys in, 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 in tandem. But I think they go another level. If, Evan Mobley is the best player on this Cavs team. Hmm. I think they do. I think that is what they need to do. They really want to see themselves cracking conference finals, NBA finals in the future. I think Evan Mobley needs to be the best player on this team. We've kind of seen Donovan Mitchell as the best player on this team. I, I know we haven't seen Eric Garland there, but I don't think we will. Yeah. And that's all, folks. Like, Jared Allen's not leading the team anytime soon. You know, Max Ooh, Houston, know George that. Nianks. Uh, I don't know. I think I do. But that's not the point. Like, uh, bottom line. <laughs> Bottom line, like if the Cavs want to reach a level that they think they can get to, Evan will be like a huge step up. So, yeah. like Jalen Green's a personal one for me. I definitely want to look see how he flourishes in a good team environment. But Evan Mobley's been in a good team environment for at least two seasons now. Now, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to improve from there? I like it. Uh, Corbin Ford, what can the good folks check out from you over uh, Ramble Ramble, Swish Theory, everywhere else this week? Listen, this week we're going to finish some team previews, division previews. We're going kind of slow because once the season starts, we aren't stopping. We're going to mm. be Chase Thomas of NBA all the time, um, which is going to be kind of crazy. And I don't know how I'm going to do it because, Chase, you have energy. I don't have. Um, we don't a lot of pot. It's a lot of work. Are you I ready? Hope, are you, are you, like, listen, I'm me. looking at you for inspiration. Like, literally right now through the through the lens and mm. in general. Like, following your – like, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to. Because mm. we just got to step it up this year. We just got to step it up this year. And so you can do yeah, it. I mean, listen, I'm not you. I'm going I'm to do my best to represent, but like, you can do it. Listen, Chase, you're a legend. We're trying to reach that status here on this end. But uh, that's the plan. That's the plan. Man. I appreciate you. Well, go check them out as uh, the season gets underway. Uh, one of the best NBA writers, podcasters going right now. So make sure you're locked in with Corbin Ford uh, as this NBA season gets ready to go. Swish Theory, uh, Ramble Ramble everywhere else. Keep up with Corbin uh, on socials and all that good stuff. And uh, Corbin Ford, next week, NBA games to talk about. 
Let's flipping go. Corbin Ford, always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.